Welcome once again, my friends, to the party time that never ends. It's the Charlotte Soccer Show. It's Danny Brams flying a solo mission uh, with uh, no Johnny Hayes on this episode. Well, I've got this very special guest about to join me. You'll meet them in just a moment. But first, I obviously got to reference what's going on. It is uh, February 1st uh, as I'm taping this. It's the last day of the transfer window for England and a lot of the big leagues in Europe, although some of the smaller leagues have longer windows. And uh, we're done with two of our DPs. It's adios, uh, arrivederci to Carol Swiderski. Uh, it's uh, and Camille Yosviak uh, look like they're headed to Italy and Spain, respectively. Tons of details about that on our stub stack. Tons of details about that on our social channels, Twitter, Instagram, uh, threads even. You can follow us on threads. You can follow us here, follow us there, follow us everywhere. But uh, yeah, uh, we'll be talking a lot about that. Johnny, when, he, when Johnny and I get back together... Uh, he's traveling today uh, to, to get let the cat out of the bag, but um, I won't tell you where. You know, I do respect some level of privacy in this world. But uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, talking more a lot about that. But we got a very special guest for this bonus special episode to talk about the signing that Charlotte FC has made this window. Believe it or not, we actually did sign someone. But all the all the people that left, your Derek Joneses, your McKinsey Gaineses, your Carol Swiderskis now and so on and so forth. We did bring in a goalkeeper, David Bingham. He's an MLS veteran uh, who's played uh, for LA Galaxy, Portland Timbers. And uh, we got uh, a former teammate of his, although not for uh, – uh, you were not teammates a long time, but welcome. please welcome to Charlotte Soccer Show, everybody, Jeff Attenella, a former MLS goalkeeper uh, who was a Timber. Uh, you played for several other clubs, Real Salt Lake, right, Jeff? Uh, welcome to the show. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, it's funny. Bingham, Bingham actually came in because I got hurt and we needed to fill that roster spot. So, so I got to That's why him, uh, Bingham became a timber because of you hurt your, your shoulder, I believe, right? I had to get a surgery on my hip. So he, oh, came hip, in, okay. he came in to fill my roster spot, but I got to know him pretty well. And, you know, I still have a lot of friends in the Portland locker room and spent a lot of time with him. So, so I'm pretty well versed in David Bingham. Fantastic. Well, then you're a great guy to talk to. And you also, uh, spoiler alert, you're very familiar with Miles Joseph, the new associate head coach at Charlotte FC, the guy who's going to sort of come in and we brought in Dean Smith from England, very established, great resume manager, but he doesn't know MLS. So Miles Joseph's going to have to show him the ropes. Jeff knows Miles very well. He knows Bingham a little bit. So we're here to talk about it. I couldn't be happier uh, to welcome you to the show. Uh, We're presented by Hot Fly, as you can see on the screen. If you're listening to this later, don't forget about, uh, you know, the big party that we got planned for uh february 24th march 2nd we got parties all over the place at hot fly they got the fresh drop fridays they got new beers dropping all the time uh we're always all about that as well but today we're here to talk about soccer we're here to talk about goalkeeping we're here to talk about uh what we can expect from some of the new faces here in charlotte um jeff before we get into all of that tell us a little bit about yourself and your career so people who don't know you because you and i met when i was walking the streets of tampa florida where you're from and where you live now right and I uh, I turned around. And I said, "Is that Jeff Adnella? Like, I know that guy because I'm just a huge MLS fan. I like I play fantasy. Really like familiarizes myself. That's make sure to know all the goalkeepers. And uh, it was great to meet you. Great to know you now. And uh, this the timing worked out to bring you on the show. Yeah, no. So I appreciate. It. Yeah, it was a fun. Uh, I do live in Tampa. I'm a big Tampa guy. I got up to Charlotte for my first time last year to go see a Luke Combs concert. Had a blast. Always a good time. Always a good time going to see him play. But. Yeah, as far as my career goes, I, you know, I played for the Tampa Bay Rowdies for two years coming out of college. I went to school down here at University of South Florida. And then after my two years at, at uh, with the Tampa Bay Rowdies, I played four years with Real Salt Lake. 
during the uh, Nick Romando, Kyle Beckerman days. So we had a couple good runs out there. And, and then, you know, I finished my career with five years out in Portland where, you know, we were fortunate. We made the MLS Cup twice when I was out there, but we lost both times. And, you know, we actually, we made it in 2013 with Real Salt Lake as well. So I kind of did the, uh, the three strikes you're out rule. So we ended mm -hmm. up, we ended up uh, losing in 2021 as well, but had a couple injuries and that's when I ended up on a career, but had a pretty good run, um, you know, 11 years playing professionally. And now I'm back home in Tampa and I have a couple of different things I'm working on, but as far as the soccer world goes, I'm pretty tapped in. Yeah. And I mean, these are, when you talk about, it may not be, you know, like Manchester United, Real Madrid, but when you talk about great American soccer clubs, Tampa Bay Rowdies, Portland Timbers, these are some like, iconic clubs. So very uh, good experience. I want to know, a little bit about the psychology of goalkeepers. You said you've played, you've been in these goalkeeper locker rooms. We'll, we'll talk about the, the, G, the GK union, which is sort of a popular concept in, in soccer culture of, you know, goalkeepers sticking together. I'm not necessarily asking you to dish dirt, but our situation here in Charlotte, I'm not sure how familiar you are. We've got an established goalkeeper, Christian Kalina. This guy's been our number one, uh, barring any injury time that he's missed over the last two, the, the entire existence of our club. You know, everybody loves him. He's a wall. Uh, and then we got two young goalkeepers, a guy named George Marks, who played a few games spelling Kalina's injuries last year. Uh, and he's, he has his fans. He's promising. He's a local kid, you know, Carolina kid. And then we got uh, a young buck that uh, from the English Premier League, Leicester Academy, who's come over, played in our academy last year. And he's like the up-and-coming, like, goalkeeper of the future someday. So he's sort of like – in the mix to sort of maybe fight for that number two as a youngster replacing the young number two from last year. And then they bring in David Bingham, who's the veteran, who's going to push the number one a little more than these youngsters can. What's going on in this locker room? What's in these guys' heads? Well, for the starter, I think the starter, I would imagine that he feels pretty confident. Uh, anytime that, anytime that you're bringing a veteran like Bingham, you know, I think that the message is that you want to have a little bit of coverage and a little bit of insurance for your starter, right? You want to have somebody that, not to say that the young guys can't get the job done, but it's important to have somebody in that backup role that has MLS experience. And you know that if something were to happen to the starter or maybe the starter falls out of form, that there's somebody there that could put a little bit of pressure on them. And at the same time, step into goal, play consistently. He's proven in the league that he could play consistently and that you know exactly where you're going to get from him when you put him in between the pipes for a game. So I think if you're looking at it from a fan perspective, that the viewpoint would be we're bringing him in to make sure that we have insurances just in case our starter gets hurt. But at the same time, you have somebody in the locker room who he's been around the league. He understands what it, what it means to be in the MLS. And, you know, he's a guy that's been in a lot of different locker rooms. He's going to bring positive energy to the locker room while also providing you that backup in that position. Because, you know, the best way I could kind of relate it is like a quarterback, right? Like if you're a football fan, you have a starting quarterback and you rely on your starting quarterback. He's the man. But if something happens or if he starts playing or if he doesn't start playing well, you need to have somebody that you trust. You need to have somebody with that experience who's going to slot in and fill that role. And, you know, I think that Charlotte is a team that has high ambitions. You know, they want to win the MLS Cup. It's a team that, you know, strives to do those types of things. And the last thing that you want to have happen, not to say the younger guys can't get the job done, but if the starter does get hurt, you want to have somebody in there that you can feel confident in, that you believe, you know, has that experience and has been through those types of situations. So those are the types of moves that I think people make with veterans like, like David Bingham. and. You know, I think that if you're Charlotte, you're kind of looking at it as it's a little bit of a log jam, but at the same time, it's somebody that could come in and just make sure that you guys are okay in the event something does happen to the starter.
Yeah, I mean, I think it sucks for a guy like George Marks, uh, who's the youngster I mentioned, who went to Clemson, and you know he's he he has his fans here. There's a, there's a contingent of Charlotte fans that love this kid for the time that he spent in the goal last year while Kalina was hurt, right? Our starter. So, and now he's coming in, and now it's like, well, if Kalina gets hurt this time, it look more likely it's going to be Bingham that goes in, not Marks. You know, so so I, I think it's a little bit hard done by for him. Uh, you've probably been there. You've been the young guy, and then you became, you know, the wily veteran later. You know, right? So, like, you've been in both spots. What's what? What do you think is is the psychology there? I think that it it is it does definitely present a challenge for him. You know, like I've been in positions where when I first came into the league, kind of a very similar situation. So when I first came into the league from the Tampa Bay Rowdies, we were coming off. Uh, you know, we won the NASL Cup, or we uh, we did all these different things. Right? I was goalkeeper of the year. I was drafted by Salt Lake. They still had my rights. I don't even know if that's still a thing where, like, you get drafted, I got cut, but they still had my rights. Right, so yeah, really yeah, the, the like discovery rights. Yeah, I think that yeah, is still so a thing. Really yeah, I saw team. that. You were drafted in 2011 but didn't join Salt Lake till 2013, right, or something like that? Yeah, so I got drafted, and then I got released from I got released from the first preseason camp. They were trying to – they were gearing up for Champions League, all that good stuff, so I signed mm-hmm. with the Tampa Bay Rowdies. And then when I had a really successful career with the Rowdies, I was ready to go back to MLS. And the only team I could sign with was Salt Lake. So I was kind of, you know, I was a little bit stuck there. Um, it ended up working out. But, you know, at the time, it was kind of, it kind of felt like. You, well, you weren't a free ready, agent, basically. Yeah, these guys already agent. released me. So why do yeah. I, why is this the only team I can go to? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but when I was on that team, you know, they brought me in. And I felt like I was ready to be the backup. I had a meeting with them. They told me I was going to be the backup. And then it just so happened that Josh Saunders, a guy that had won MLS Cups, he had been a long time in the league. He was available. And the team decided to bring him in as the backup. So I, you know, I made this whole career move. I, I moved my family out to Salt Lake. And, you know, after two weeks of preseason, when I was told I was going to sign as the backup, I was immediately the third string. And it kind of happened like that, just based off of player availability. But, you know, I think that when you're dealing with these types of things and these types of situations, you have Bingham there as an insurance plan, right? He's probably not the long-term solution that you're looking for in that spot. But he's going to be there to push the backups as well. He's going to be there to push a young guy. And it's up to that young player to, okay, I need to compete with, I need to compete with this guy. I need to compete with the guy that's in front of me. I need to compete with the veteran that they brought in to prove that I am better than him and to prove that I give the team a better chance to win. He has the experience. They know what they're going to get from him. Now it's up to me to kind of set the bar apart and, and separate myself a little bit and prove that I could be the guy that's on the bench. I could be the backup. I could be the guy that they call on. And, you know, that's just part of the position and that's part of the ups and downs that you have to deal with as a goalkeeper. I think that, you know, he's a young guy. A lot of goalkeepers really don't hit their stride until they're a little bit older. Mm-hmm. And you're really hard pressed to find those young those young goalkeepers that just have immediate success and just keep ascending without dealing with these types of turmoil. So I think that at the same time, while it's frustrating and I'm sure he's extremely frustrated, he's probably calling his agent wondering, you know, what's going on? I thought we were mm-hmm. in a good spot. He needs to look at it as a position of, okay, I still have a lot of stuff to prove. I came in. I did my. I thought I did my thing. I thought I did it well. But this is a transition time for the club. This is a time where, you know, you have a lot of pieces coming in, a lot of pieces going out, where whoever the coaching is, whatever the decisions may be coming up top, they might feel a little bit more comfortable with a guy that has experience because a guy like Bingham was available when normally these guys aren't just sitting there available to grab, right? So it's just kind of the situations and kind of something that you have to deal with as a goalkeeper. And, you know, that's part of the processing for a young guy that if he's able to come through this and whether he outperforms Bingham or, you know, maybe he's stuck as a third and he has to play games with the second team or, you know, figure out the way to get his minutes. 
it's just part of the growing process. And that's why you see a lot of goalkeepers evolve a lot later in their careers because they do go through these things and they start to learn what it is like to be a professional goalkeeper. Yeah, them's the breaks, right? I mean, A, it's not like Nick Ramondo was missing any games anyway, so it didn't matter if you were the backup or the third string uh, in Salt Lake, right? Uh, he, they got, he Only was, the World Cup. I got yeah, all my he, time when he went to the World Cup. <laughs> yeah, he was pretty locked in. Uh, but B, the other thing is we have a brand-new coach and a brand-new coaching staff here in Charlotte anyway, so it was kind of going to be like that for every goalkeeper and every outfield player on the roster anyway. It's time to re, re-earn your spot. Um, what is the situation of the goalkeepers' union? And – these guys, obviously, they're competing for spots, and it's it could be a friendly rivalry, or they could start they could hate each other. Who knows? I, I don't know. But everyone, every situation is going to be a little different on that spectrum. What is the brotherhood, though, that all goalkeepers kind of have each other's backs, at least on some level? Yeah, I think that it's an interesting dynamic. You know, I've been in a couple of different locker rooms. I was always the type of guy that I try to be friendly. I try to I try to get along with the with the goalkeepers I was competing with and the ones that you know that were on my team because for for the goalkeepers it's you work together every day. You know what I mean. The the team starts their training, they're here, and then the goalkeepers are off on their own doing their mm-hmm. own thing until they're called in with the team. So every single day during the season, you're working tight with that group of people, and it's not only working together. You need them to help you to get better, right? So if I'm if I'm in goal, if I'm the starting goalkeeper. I need the backup goalkeeper. I need the third string goalkeeper to serve me balls, to kick balls the right way, to do all these different types of things that help me get ready. So you need to lean on, you need to lean on your other goalkeepers to get you prepared. And that's where it presents the interesting, funny dynamic, because it's, you know, if there's one guy, if there's a third string goalkeeper or a second second string goalkeeper, who's pissed off that they're not playing and they start, you know what I mean? Showing that outward emotion that they are pissed off and putting it out on the first string goalie that's where things start to get a little bit more turmoil. But, you know, in my career, I always tried to avoid that, but I've definitely been around in groups where goalkeepers didn't like each other and that kind of outwardly showed. But, you know, at the end of the day, the goalkeeper union, it's, it's a very unique position. There's only, there's only one person that can play in the game, right? Ideally you have one guy that plays the entire season. Maybe there's somebody that comes in and get a couple, gets a couple different games, but just know that there's one guy that's playing but then underneath of them, there's however many goalkeepers you have on your roster. They all think that they should be starting. Guaranteed, they all think that they should be doing the job. So it presents an interesting dynamic because there's only one person that can play. There's only one alpha dog. Well, at the same time, everybody else thinks that they should be playing. And you need to rely on everybody else to get each other better. Mm-hmm. So there's this whole like inner working mm-hmm. dynamic that goes on within that existence. And you know, I think that where the goalkeeper union comes into play, it's no matter what, so something goes on, no matter what goes on in the field, right? Goalkeeper, uh, goalkeepers understand the goalkeeper perspective better than anybody else. So if somebody gives up a goal where people are saying, oh, the goalkeeper should have done this, the goalkeeper should have done that, like it should have been better. Mm-hmm. And the reality is there was nothing different that the goalkeeper could have done, but it, it may look bad to, you know what I mean, the less knowledgeable the people that don't understand the position. I think that where the goalkeeper union comes into play, it's, you know, it's putting your arm around that goalkeeper thinking, like, I know that that looked bad, but I understand why you did what you did. Mm-hmm. And you know what I mean? That that makes sense for the position. So I think that where the goalkeeper union really comes into play, it's about just supporting your, your you know what I mean, your union brother who deals with the trials and tribulations of what it is to be a goalkeeper because it is a challenging position and it is a position where, you know, you're either the hero or you're the dud and, and people think that you're not very good because you yeah. gave up a couple goals. So it's just about really understanding the position and kind of being there for your other goalkeeper when, you know, it kind of feels like the rest of the world isn't. 
Yeah, you're you're either a wall or you're Swiss cheese, right? For sure. Um, yeah, there's really no in between either <laughs> in the court of public opinion. Well, we're lucky because we are all just about everyone in Charlotte enjoys Christian Kalina. Most uh um criticism of him has to do with, you know, distribution and that's what do you think about modern goalkeeping as it opposed to maybe how you came up 10 years ago and just like the way that so many teams like play out of the back more and things like that. It's evolving. You know, it's evolved a lot. You know, when I was coming up, it was very um, just get the ball far, try to be accurate, try to be accurate, kicking the ball along, try to find your target forward. Or, you know, for me, I always I always utilize throwing the ball. You know, I play a bunch of different sports. Kalina has two assists. You know, he got two assists last year and one pre assist on top of that. So, you know. There you go. So I think that a lot of it, you know, as the game continues to evolve, you're seeing a lot of young goalkeepers that are probably more efficient with their feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, you know, I just think that it's all part of the system in which the coach wants to play. You know, some of the best, some of the best that I played was with very directional diagonal balls. And, you know, if I was forced to play in those tight spaces and keep possession, that's not necessarily a style that I love to play because I, I would rather just not take the risks of doing that. Mm-hmm. Unless the coach is going to stick their hand up and say, Hey, I allow him to do that. And he made a mistake and that's my fault because I want him to play this way. Um, so I think that, you know, as the goalkeeper position evolves, it's something that it's very, whatever your coach wants, right? Like if your coach wants you to play a possession base, then you either need to figure out how to play a possession base or you need to find a different club because there's different things that evolve <laughs> and coaches want different things. So, Or you wait you till know, the coach gets fired, right? So if you're Charlotte, exactly, you, fire, you fire a coach every year, you know? So, you know, it's, wait it's, it out. Well, it's funny when I got to Portland, you know, when I got to Portland, just a little, you know, kind of funny story about my career. When I got to Portland, I played – when I got there, I played for Caleb Porter. Caleb Porter, you know, he had won a cup there. I didn't know him too well, but I knew what he wanted from his goalkeepers. He wanted a goalkeeper who could make saves and be smart with the ball. Just don't do anything to get your team in trouble, right? Just don't be – just don't grab the headlines in a negative way. And for me, that was perfect. That was exactly how I wanted to play, make the saves, come out on crosses, distribute the ball a little bit longer – don't mess around with it. Don't play the ball in the back. Perfect. So I get the starting job uh, at some point in 2017, which is what I've been working my career towards. I kind of, right. I kind of forced my way, like pushed my way out of Salt Lake because Romano was always going to be the starter. Mm-hmm. So I, you know what I mean? I, it was time for me yeah, to move on. Nothing personal. Just, yeah, needed a move. It is what it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so I end up getting to Portland and then about halfway through the season, I end up getting the starting job and we went on a run. We ended up getting first place in the West, like career year, the year that I separated myself, I come to my end of the year meeting and Caleb says, you know, I loved having you great goalkeeper. You're my guy moving forward. Enjoy your off season. Let's get to work next year. We're going to have a good time. Perfect. Right. So I come That's back home to Florida, yeah. track a couple beers. I'm like, man, I could actually relax this off season. Cause when you're the starter, you can like, you can at least like enjoy a couple weeks of off season, but when sure. you're the backup, it's like, Oh, now I got to work. Yeah. And two weeks into the off season, get a phone call from my agent. What's going on with Caleb? Like he's leaving. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's not what we talked about. And then, so he ends up leaving. And then in comes Gio Savarese, who, mm-hmm. who very different, you know, he wanted something completely different from his goalkeeper. So I had to really try to adapt my style because I knew that if I didn't adapt my style and I wanted to be in Portland, it was going to be time to go. So we had to yeah. adapt the style to playing a little bit more possession based and you know, I think that my generation is kind of the tail end of people who are adjusting to that, where the young mm-hmm. goalkeepers now are used to it. But so it's just funny how those types of things evolve. And, you know, as the playing formation, as the playing styles change, people have to kind of adapt on the fly, which, you know, it is what it is. 
adapt or die, as they like to say. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Well, let's talk about Charlotte for a couple minutes just and, and talk about what David Bingham can expect here. You have a few people in Charlotte. Any shout-outs you want to send? But what do we need to know about David Bingham? Yeah, he's steady. He's steady. He's consistent. And, you know, like I said, I was injured most of the time in Portland. But from all accounts of the locker room, he's a great locker room guy, which you need guys like that within – you need guys like that within your culture. You need guys with that when you're really trying to build an identity. So, you know, he's steady. He's consistent. He makes tons of saves. and he's just consistent, which is what you need in the MLS sometimes. He's not going to, you know what I mean? I don't think he's going to do anything that's going to make you, you know, scratch your head and wonder what was he thinking? Like that, that'll be a, that'll be a rare thing that happens. And just know that if he, if he's stepping into the game, he's going to make saves and he's going to be able to keep your team in it. So I think that that's exactly what you're getting from him. Yeah. I think people are, uh, feel good about it. The George Marks uh, stand club aside, I do think people in the, the most overall part of our fan base feels pretty good about that veteran presence coming in. We look forward to getting to know him a lot for sure. Uh, maybe we'll have him on the show. Who knows? Um, but uh, someone you know, maybe even a little better than Bingham, though, who is also here new to Charlotte, is Miles Joseph, right? Uh, longtime assistant in Portland. I don't know how much you dealt with him. Why don't you tell us and just tell us what we can expect uh, from Miles Joseph coming in as associate head coach? Yeah, Miles is one of the best, one of the best guys I've met in my entire career. I've known Miles a really long time. He was the he was the assistant coach when I was in Salt Lake. And then so he was there for my first year when I was on Salt Lake. I got to know him. He actually scouted me at the University of South Florida and kind of put me on the radar of MLS and, and RSL. So we got to know him pretty well. And then so I spent my first year with him uh, out in Salt Lake. And then I think my second year in Portland, my second year in Portland, he came out and took an open assistant job uh, during the 2018 season when we made the MLS Cup run. So my first two years in Miles, we reached the MLS Cup, which, you know, it should tell you a lot about what he's doing and what type of guy he is. All right, I'm is, writing but... this down. Charlotte FC yeah. going to MLS <laughs> Cup. Good to know. All right, perfect. Maybe a little futures on it. I'm sure you yeah. get good odds on it. Hey, but, yeah, um, but 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 uh, so he's just an all-time guy. He's a great guy. He's a good human being. He, he understands the league really well, and he's somebody that, that relates to players. You know, he played in the league a while. He's very relatable. He's very approachable. And he's somebody that has a very good understanding of the game. He's seen a lot of things. He's been around the league for a long time. And, you know, anytime you got add a guy like Miles to your to your coaching roster, especially with a guy coming in outside of MLS, he's going to be an absolute asset. He's going to be an asset to the team. He's going to be an asset to the coaching room. And just somebody that really, truly understands how to have success within this league. And just a great guy. He's a good human being. You know, I think he did a good job when he took over the head guy, when he took over the head job to finish the season out in Portland. And, yep. You know, I've never I've never met anybody within the league who ever had a bad thing to say about Miles, which when you're talking about a professional workplace, that's kind of yeah, hard to come by. Yeah. So when you've been there, what, guy. Like almost 30, he's a he's a true MLS lifer drafted in 96. I mean, that goes that goes all the way back to the beginning. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm really looking forward. What what is what do you think would be the most important thing he has to teach uh, someone who's coming across from across the pond uh, and is new to the league? Just understanding what it takes to, you know, within the dynamics of the travel, within the dynamics of the schedule, and really just kind of understanding, you know, all the nuances that make the MLS so unique. You know what I mean? Because it's not like other leagues. It's a, it's a very unique league in that way. And I think that when people do come over, it kind of catches them by surprise at first. The, the length that you're traveling, the different yeah. schedules, the things like that. And luckily, Charlotte has, a, you know, Charlotte has an incredible fan base. But there's times where you're going to play in front of nobody, which 
that's those are different right. things that people have to get in chicago to, so for I instance that, you know yeah <laughs> if you want to call them out if you want to call people I, out, we're calling them out dude we'll talk yeah we'll talk <laughs> like we're, we'll get to this at the end but you currently now in your new life you run a, a clothing company called smack talk apparel or smack apparel right so like I want to hear more about that, but like, yes, talk some smack. Don't be afraid. You know, you're retired, so you don't really have to protect anyone here, Jeff. Come on. That's true. That's true. I haven't played in a while, though. I don't know if Chicago. Yeah. I don't know if Chicago no, they're, packing they, people in or they packed. Like they packed their entire stadium for uh, Messi, and then he didn't play. And then we played them the next home game, and there was two people there. So. <laughs> what can I say? But there's just different nuances, right? I mean, if you understand the league, if you know the league and, and compare it to soccer around the world, there's just different things that you have to get adjusted to. And I think that you yeah, see we're, a lot we're of flying, but now. Case in point, one month from today, we're flying to Vancouver, you know, for yeah, our first road go. game of the year. So, yeah. There you go. Which is what a beautiful trip. place to play. It's a beautiful yeah. city. If you, if, you, uh, if you have what it takes to get out to Vancouver for a game, I'd highly recommend it because it's a beautiful mm-hmm. place. But it's um it's just a different league. And so I think that there's a lot of pressure on these guys that come over now because there's some big money getting thrown around at players. And there's a lot of pressure on them to produce immediately where, as before, you know, it might take a guy a year to get adjusted to MLS life. But you're not awarded that adjustment period when you're making big money like this now. So I think that it's, it's something that people have to adapt to quickly. And having a guy like Miles who completely understands where the league is and where the league came from is, you know, it's almost invaluable. Yeah, well, speaking of where the league came from, it's a perfect segue into a final topic I want to ask you about, you know, your USL legend with the Rowdies. You've played in MLS. You've got some perspective on the debate of the offseason, US Open Cup versus Leagues Cup. Uh, it still hasn't truly been settled. The MLS clubs tried to pull their first teams out and send the academies. And then US Soccer said, hell no. They should have just played the academy players under it with the first team rosters and not said anything. I think they would have got away with that just fine. But uh, I don't know why they had to go make this big announcement that they're doing this big thing and then they didn't do it. And it's kind of like the super league over in Europe in that regard. But uh, where do you stand? We've talked to other retired MLSers on the show. We just talked to Tesho Akindele. He's a striker, you know, your, your mortal enemy as a goalkeeper, but he actually saw some future in the league's cup and was feeling it. And he's a two-time U.S. Open Cup winner. Where do you stand, sir? I mean, I I wish that there was a world that they could just knock them both out and do them both mm-hmm. because I think that there's benefits to both sides of it. I think that you know the league's cup is cool. It's a uh, it's 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 growing the MLS globally. It's growing the awareness of the MLS, and it and it puts people and it puts more players on the radar of bigger clubs, right? If you're mm-hmm. watching these games and you're watching, you know teams play against these Mexican teams and some big players and all these things are going on and all the hype's going on, especially, I mean, the Messi train got a little bit out of control with what was going on in the league's cup. But if you're, if you're, you want to watch these games, if you're around the world, you want to see what it's like. You want to see these Mexican teams play against teams in MLS. It's a cool thing to watch. And if you're a young player and you have success within the league's cup, it opens up an entire wealth of opportunities to you because now you got, now you caught the eyes of people that you might not have caught before. So as a right. player, I enjoy the League's Cup and I enjoy what it is. And I think that the payout for the League's Cup is even bigger than the MLS. So, yeah, yeah, it's huge. Yeah. And you guys. have to figure that had to be guys. a factor in Brandon Vasquez moving to Liga MX this year, right? Like, no, I would think so. Yeah. And it's, you know, I think that it's the exposure that you get from it from a league perspective and from a player perspective. I think that you're reaching people that you might not have reached before. So I think it's a very cool opportunity. And on the flip side, I, I I love the Open Cup, right? Mm-hmm. The Open Cup was my opportunity 
my opportunity to, when I was on the rallies, it was my opportunity to play against an MLS team and try to prove to them that I was, that we were better than what they thought we were. Which is and the same thing the, you just said of players getting on the radar of bigger clubs, just at a different scale. Just at a different level. It's just at a different level. And I think that, you know, what makes the Open Cup, Open Cup so cool is that it, it brings American soccer together for something because American mm-hmm. soccer is very divided, right? You have the MLS, you have the USL, you have all these different subsections of us soccer. And this is the one time that they come together and everybody gets a little bit of taste of what it's like, right? You have MLS teams playing at USL stadium and different things like that going on. And I think that that's good for the game within the country mm-hmm. and it's good for players. It's good for young players. It's good for guys getting minutes. They probably, like you said, they probably didn't need to go off and like make this big announcement that they're not going to do it anymore. They, mm-hmm. they probably could have found a roundabout way to, to make sure that these young guys are playing in place of their first team guys. Mm-hmm. And, you know, until, so you get to the, until you get to the later rounds. Right. Yeah. But so I understand both of them. I understand both of them. And I wish that they could both stay. I'm sure that there is going to be a world where teams are competing in both competitions. If you look around the world, teams compete in multiple competitions consistently every year, all over the world while still playing in their league play. I understand that the travel might be a bit of an issue, but at the same time, I don't think I don't think soccer's at a point where you should be taking things away from from fans and you know getting more getting as many eyeballs on the leagues as you can. I don't think that we're at a point where you should start eliminating things. I'm, not, I'm more at a point where I think you should be more out in front of things. Yeah, I, possible solutions to me would be uh, a adapt you uh mls roster rules to allow for some more of the like deeper rosters and get you know let's expand let's expand the player pool let's give got some guys more jobs in the league why not you know and just make it easier for teams to be especially deep. for these tournament especially for these tournaments yeah, like the you could add hey we're gonna add 10 roster spots for the open cup and the league's cup we'll sign our academy kids we'll get them playing mm-hmm. but you're still represented in a first team manner so i think that's an important part of it yeah exactly you could do that and then the other thing apple just buy the u.s open cup why not? You know, you bought everything there else. You you know? <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Maybe find uh, a competitor to Apple to buy the Open Cup. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh. Uh, we'll see. That, that that could be a problem. But that would be lead to a lot of smack talk. <laughs> and that's the final thing I want to talk about. Thank you so much for your time and joining us today, Jeff. I want to talk about a little bit what you're doing now. Smack Apparel, what do we need to know? Uh, these are some great shirts. You've shared with me some of your designs. You do a lot of college football designs. That's what I do in my 9 to 5 uh, when I'm not being a crazy soccer hooligan, I cover college football somewhat journalistically, some would say. Um, but uh, I love your shirts. Uh, what can you tell us about them? Yeah, I appreciate it, man. So Smack Apparel, it's our family business. It's actually been around. This is our 26th year in business. And we're an unlicensed company, but we essentially make Smack Talk shirts for fan bases. And we're very topical with the things that we're doing. It's, um, you know, we try to make shirts that really tap into the emotions of fans and, and different fan bases. And, you know, to my core, I've always just been a diehard sports fan. It didn't really matter the mm-hmm. sport. Uh, I love sports. I, I love the drama. I love, I love what being on a team means and all those different types of things. So, you know, Smack Apparel is our family business that we like to have fun with and tap into the emotions of those fans. And, you know, who knows, maybe one day we'll branch off into the, into the MLS Smack Talking world and yeah, you know, make a I couple mean, Charlotte, hey. make, make a couple anti-Atlanta shirts for the Charlotte <laughs> soccer fan base. Well, <laughs> Well, I don't say uh, we're we're still trying to find our true rival. I think in Charlotte we have this like identity crisis, like who's our true rival. I do love these Dilf uh, Carolina shirts because I'm just gonna <laughs> say it. Uh, uh, Canales, the new coach for the Panthers, he's Dilf. Let's be, let's be honest. I I, I don't want to get too much into it, but 
but um, you came for the bucks. You guys swooped them yeah. for the bucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And well, Dope, there's, there's so some Dope is an acronym for "damn, I love football," but it's also you know. You can have <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But but, uh, but yeah. So so no, I appreciate you letting me do that. And it's a uh, you know it's our family business. We've been at it a long time. I do a lot of the brand marketing. I do a lot of the social media and really you know just getting around sports fans and having fun with them. And another thing, you know, another company that I'm working with is. You know, it's, it ties into soccer a little bit more. You're talking about the goalkeeper union and they're actually Charlotte based. They're huge Charlotte supporters. I'm sure, I'm sure people watching this know exactly who I'm talking about, but you know, I, I do some brand ambassador work for renegade goalkeeper, renegade GK. They make awesome goalkeeper gloves. If you're ever interested, they're Charlotte based and you know, it's a great company to be a part of and they are diehard Charlotte fans. So if you want to support a fellow Charlotte fan, I'm sure you guys already know who this is, but but uh, it's uh, the company Renegade GK. If you got any young goalkeepers out there, I couldn't recommend them anymore. I know for a fact we are blessed to have some young goalkeepers in the audience of the show. So definitely check out Renegade for sure. Why don't you come up and visit your friends from Renegade, Jeff, and we'll go to a match together. I'd love to. I'm I'm dying to get up there. I want to see I want to see Bill. I want to see Miles. I want to see I want to see the boys. So Big Bill, of course. Yeah. Well, yeah. I forgot to ask you about Bill. What what do you think? He I, I want to see him maybe earn he had a rough go of it the first year, but uh but I I think he could find his way in the starting lineup, at least earlier this season. He's uh you know, he's he's someone where I think that he was out in Portland for a long time and it's hard to transition. It's hard to transition to a new club. He kind of came over, I think, at the end of preseason, if I remember right. So yep, really right at the end of preseason, time. and uh, really coach didn't really know what teammate. to do with him. Yeah, he yeah, scored. He, he had an own goal in the second teammates. match of the season. I remember that. Yeah. yeah, but he didn't really get the time to get to know the teammates. He didn't really get it. Get the chance to get to know the city. And you know, I think that when you when you bring somebody across the country like that, especially if he's not from America, it's going to take time for them to adjust. So I'd expect him to do well this year. And you know, Bill Bill's one of those guys that. I think he could have been a professional at whatever sport he possibly wanted to do. He's like right. just that freakishly athletic. And so I think that he'll be, he'll adjust to it fine. And I think that in year two, you'll probably see him emerge a little bit more as a leader of that group. That is good to hear. He's been featured in a ton of the videos that uh, the Charlotte social media puts out. Not like even just in the background, like he's always there. And like, I'm seeing Tua Loma a lot more this year than I saw last yeah, year. He's a good looking cat. He's a good looking cat. <laughs> oh, there you go. You know, Kiwi, you know, you gotta love it. So. <laughs> Uh, Jeff, thank you so much for joining Sarla Shocker Show. Hopefully you'll come back. There'll be a reason to bring you back and you can meet Johnny, the, uh, my co-host. He's really, you know, the, he's the brains behind the show. I'm just like the court jester. So I tried to fill in the role of host here, uh, but uh, did the best I could. Uh, you did a great job. And listen, if I do ever come up to Charlotte for a game, I want to get the full, like, party hard tailgate. I want the whole process. I want to see what it's yep. really like. So That's what we do. And we do it at Hot Fly to bring the sponsor back into it one more time. So... Thank you, Jeff. I want to say thank you to everybody for listening. And as always, it is for the crown, baby.